It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Uh, well, the last uh, couple of <clears throat> studies, we've been walking through this idea of life in the Word, and I'd like to kind of shift our focus and look very specifically at not just life in the Word, the person, uh, but life in the Word, the text. Uh, so I just want to do some quick review. Uh, we were talking about this idea of knowing the Word of God in person, who is Jesus. And several studies ago, we were looking at this idea of uh, gnosko, or at least that was the word, uh, Greek word I was using. And it's interesting, the idea of knowing Jesus is not just knowing facts, not just knowing the data and the information, it's actually getting wrapped up in relationship, in the experience and the intimacy of the living God. And we read Philippians 3.10 where Paul says that his passion, his desire, his focus, his drive is that he might know, gnosko him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And in other words, Paul's not just interested in knowing about Jesus. Paul actually wants the intimacy and the relationship with Jesus. And again, there's a vast difference between the two of them. Jesus said this in John 17, verse three, it's the high priestly prayer. And Jesus says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so Jesus says eternal life is not just knowing things about our God. Eternal life is getting wrapped up in intimacy with our God, which is, that is just beautiful to me. Uh, we didn't look at this passage, but I really, it's Ephesians, so I, I probably am biased, but I like this. In Ephesians chapter three, Paul, listen to what Paul says. He's in the second prayer that he's praying, and he says that he prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being firmly rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And it's interesting in the passage, what Paul is doing is he's saying that, that knowing, he uses the word gnosko, that, that the relational, experiential experience of knowing God far surpasses, or the love, which is a person, right? Far surpasses the knowledge of it. So you, you, can, you can have all the information, you can have all the details, but Paul says there's something far better than all that. It's actually experiencing it. And my favorite illustration of that is chocolate cake. Because, hey, you can know all about chocolate cake. Uh, you can have the recipe memorized. You can know the perfect ingredient quantities. But that is totally different than tasting it. Praise the Lord. And obviously, I prefer to taste it. So, so do you recognize then that there is a difference between knowing about chocolate cake and, and actually embracing and experiencing the calories of chocolate cake? Amen, right? And Paul says the same, the same thing's true about the love of God, that you can know all about it, but there's something that far surpasses that. Well, what is it? It's actually in experiencing it. It's, uh, it's knowing it in the depth of uh, intimacy, relationship, and experience. So if you take that idea and you come into the Word of God in text, I really want to focus on this idea of not just knowing about the Word of God in person, who is Jesus, but actually embracing and experiencing the Word of God in text, which we call Scripture. 
Uh, Jesus made this profound statement in John chapter 5, verse 39. He's talking to the Pharisees. And in just in terms of the context, it's, it's really interesting. The Pharisees, these were the guys who knew scripture. Uh, in fact, little Jewish boys from the age of five were taught uh, the, 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 the scriptures. They would begin in the Torah, the, the five books of Moses, and they would begin to know and memorize, study out the books of Moses. And you've probably heard this before, but the first book they would ever begin to, to memorize was the book of Leviticus. Ah, oh, praise the Lord. You know? And again, the reason they would start with Leviticus is because it was all about the holiness and the perfection of God. And so could you imagine, here's this little, little Jewish boy. And as he's starting to grow up, he's starting to memorize and know the books of Moses. And, it, and it's been told that by age 12, could you imagine this? By age 12, a good Jewish boy would have uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy perfectly memorized. <laughs> How are you doing? I got John 3.16, you know, and Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, but it's interesting that they would have all those. And then if you would actually be trained under a rabbi and you begin to go up into the rabbinical studies, typically by the time you got into your mid to late 20s, you would have the entirety of the Old Testament memorized. And supposedly, uh, you had it so perfectly memorized that a rabbi could put his pointer down, give you the word, and you should be able to continue from that point forward. I mean, in other words, they, they knew this thing backwards and forwards. So here's Jesus talking to this group. Uh, that they know the word. They've been studying the word. They've been debating the word. They argue about this thing. They wear the long robes. They have the big phylacteries. I mean, if someone is, it knows this thing, I mean, these, these, this is the group. But then listen to what Jesus says in John 5, 39. He says, you search the scriptures... Because you think in them you have eternal life, but it is these that bear witness about me. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? I love this passage. Jesus says, you've been studying this thing. You've been memorizing this thing. You argue over this thing. And here you are, you're, you're thinking that by all the study and all the preparation and all the due diligence that you're having eternal life. Jesus says, but you're missing it because everything that you're studying is pointing to a greater reality who's now standing in front of you. Do you recognize that Jesus, who we are supposed to get wrapped up in intimacy and relationship with, is the one to whom this word points to? And every page of this scripture is only declaring, screaming in your face who Jesus is. And we don't have time to get into the fact that the Old Testament is all about Jesus. But I promise you, every page of scripture from Genesis 1-1 all the way through the maps, because even the maps point to Jesus. I mean, everything in scripture is declaring the reality of who God is and what he did upon that cross. So it doesn't matter where in scripture you go, Jesus says, this is all about me. I mean, this whole thing is about me. Just, I mean, you're just getting wrapped up about me. And we're going to keep fleshing this out over the next couple, couple of weeks. Uh, I love this passage in Luke chapter 24. In fact, we're going to spend all of the next study looking at this passage. But on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is talking to these two disciples. And it says that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And that phrase, all the scriptures, or, or Moses and the prophets, it's talking about the Old Testament. So could you imagine, and again, we'll, we'll flesh this out next time. But Jesus is walking down this road and he just says, that's about me, that's about me, that's about me, that's about me, that's about me. And he literally walks through the Old Testament saying, woo, this is all about me. Why? Because the entirety of this book is about one thing. It's about Jesus. Uh, there was this very studly man by the name of Philip, as you well know. And, uh, and Philip, he uh, is led by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 
anyway, you, you didn't think that was funny. I thought that was awesome. Uh, anyway, the spirit led Philip to this Ethiopian eunuch. And if you don't know what an Ethiopian eunuch is, you can talk to Eric. Uh, but, but this Ethiopian eunuch was, uh, was reading the scriptures and Philip comes up to him and just says, hey, what are you reading? And the guy says, I, I, I'm reading Isaiah, but I have no idea what he's talking about. And then listen to this. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, and he was reading from Isaiah 53, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. In other words, do you realize what Philip was doing? Philip really opened up the Old Testament and said, that's all about Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing in your life? If you could come to the scriptures and allow God to expose and reveal himself to you. And that you could actually begin to get to know him through his word. So I want to just, in this particular study, I want to look at this idea. What is the purpose for spending time in the word? Uh, when, when I was preparing or writing the book, The uh, Saturation Bible Study, uh, I, was, I was wrestling through why people come to the word. And I, I always had like my normal three reasons why people come to the word. And I was wrestling through it and I came up with seven. So we're not going to spend long on this. I just want to give you seven typical reasons why most people come into the word of God. And I'm doing the preacher thing. They all, ha they all had to start with the same letter. So there's a, there's a couple that may be a stretch for the title, but just, just ignore those ones. So here, here are seven problem reasons why we tend to get into scripture. Number one, this idea of pressure. So many believers feel pressure to be in the word if they want to be a quote unquote good Christian. They feel guilty if they don't open the Bible. For preachers and teachers, there's an added pressure to be in the word to prepare messages. In other words, why do I get in the word? Well, there's a thumb on my back. There's pressure. It's a have to kind of an idea. Number two, there's this idea of proving. So some people come to scripture to find evidence that supports their conclusions, to prove a point or to win an argument. They use the Bible as a weapon of destruction to prove someone wrong rather than as a tool to share the gospel. In other words, why am I coming to the word? Well, so I can prove that you are wrong. I am right. I'm going to bash you over the head because I hear that the Bible makes an impact on your life, right? And so that's, I'm coming to prove something. Uh, number three is this idea of what I'm calling particulars. Again, this one might be a stretch for the title, uh, but particulars. So many Christians come to the Bible in search of information, not transformation. Their motives may vary, but the purpose is to understand the particulars and gain head knowledge. Their focus is absorbed with details, information, education, and facts. Now, please hear me. There's nothing wrong with academics. There's nothing wrong with the information and studying. And, and hey, I'm a nerd. I love doing this thing. But if that is the only reason why you're coming to the scriptures, if all you want is the next nugget or the next, you know, information or the next tidbit or the next fact, you're coming to the Bible for the wrong reason. Uh, number four is this idea of pleasure. So other people read the Bible for pure enjoyment or entertainment. It is leisure reading. And the danger is that they can see God's word as nothing more than good moral stories or amusing fictional accounts. It just becomes VeggieTales stuff. Uh, number five is this idea of performance. So a performance mentality seeps in with the need to check off quote-unquote devotions from our daily to-do list. It becomes a duty rather than a delight. It's a have-to rather than a get-to. In short, our time in the Bible can be all about performance. Number six is this idea of probation. Again, this one might be a stretch too. Uh, many Christians feel the need to win God's approval and favor. They believe God will give them a good day if they read their Bibles and a bad day if they don't. But this is not God's heart or nature. He does not send some people to probation based on their time in the word. Similar to performance, 
People with a probation mentality try to win God's affirmation and are often marked by tremendous guilt, obligation, and pressure. And lastly, which this one really might be a stretch, is this idea of psychical, which is idea of psychic, paranormal, whatever. So the least popular, hopefully, <laughs> for genuine believers is the psychical or the paranormal approach to the Bible, which sees it as a good luck charm, a rabbit's foot, or something that will, quote, ward off demons by flicking his pages. And I don't know if you've ever met these people, but it's like, I, I have to have the word. Why? Because demons can't touch me. It's like garlic, you know, it's, or whatever. You know, it's, and it, and it becomes like, a, it becomes a rabbit's foot in, in the supernatural realm. And when I flick the pages, demons flee or something. If you come to the Bible for any of those reasons, do you realize at some point your time in the word is, is going to become dull and dusty and it's, it's, you're going to quit doing it? Why? Because it's all dead. You need a better reason for being in the word. So why then do we spend time in scripture? I want to give you two reasons. And again, it's not that you can't prove people wrong. It's not that you can't get information. Please don't ward off the demon thing. But it's not about a chapter a day keeps the devil away. It's not about performance. It's not about, so why do, why do we come to the Bible? And here are the two key reasons. Number one, it's to know the author. Do you realize that God has revealed himself? Uh, we talked in the last study, this idea about God is speaking. God is communicating. His heart is just throbbing to, for you to know who he is. And though he can communicate in a variety of ways, isn't it beautiful that he's given us this unchanging word, it is his words. And he is speaking and he is communicating himself and he wants you to know who he is. And he has revealed his nature and he's revealed his heart and he's revealed his purpose and his plan and he's given you his will. And so there is a neon sign flashing in the sky in your life. It's called scripture. Uh, there is a bush burning metaphorically. It's the word, get into the word. And the reason I should be getting into the word is because I want to get to know the author, not just know about the author, but I want to get wrapped up in intimacy with the author. And the primary way to do that is to be in his words. If you want to get to know Jesus, get into his words. And what is amazing is that if I come to scripture with the sole purpose of knowing Jesus. If, I, if I'm delighting in the fact that, that Jesus is revealed on every page of scripture, that he is screaming in my face, that he wants to get to know me, that he wants to speak to my heart. Wouldn't it be interesting is as I get to know him through his word, do you realize what comes out of that or what comes out as an outflow of that? Hands down, I promise you, you will be transformed by truth. That it, it's a guarantee. That if you are open, if you are seeking, if you are desirous of Jesus, you cannot, you, there is not a way for you not to change. In other words, if you're being genuinely open to Jesus, I promise you, the only way for you not to change is you're going to have to grit your teeth, cross your arms and be like, nope, I'm not going to do it. Otherwise, he is sucking you in whether you want it or not. Isn't that good news? That to me is so phenomenal. And yes, you got to walk in obedience. Yes, you need to respond. We talked about dancing a couple studies ago, right? So that's all true. You need to abide. But what is amazing is if, if, you would just, if you would just go after him, if you would just open yourself up to his word, do you realize that you don't have to grit and determine and just try to pull this thing? Yes, you've got to obey. But do you realize that he's empowering you by his spirit to bring this thing about? And that, that he wants the transformation of your life more than you want the transformation of your life? Which means he will change you. 
So could you imagine coming to the word of God, not, not for details, though you'll get those, not because you have to, though you might as well do it. And not, not, not because of some performance reason, because God's gonna be happy if you do it. And he's gonna stomp on your head if you don't. Wouldn't it be interesting if you just came to the word because you just went, Jesus, I wanna get to know you. That, that somehow I, I, I want you to get bigger in my life and, and that whole reality of intimacy, of knowing you and that whole gnosko concept that, that somehow I, wanna, I want you to get bigger and, and just more intense and more intimate and more relational. And man, I wanna experience you more than ever before. Do you realize that if you would come to the word of God with that heart, I promise you, he will meet you in that and he will change your life. So if you're, looking at your, if you're looking at your spiritual life going, man, I wish I would grow. Man, I really wish I could be transformed. Man, there's this one area I really wish that God can just change. I promise you, get in the word. And God will begin to change your life. But why do I come to the word? I come to the word oh, to know the author. And it's in the embrace of the author through his words that he begins to change my life. And there's a huge transformation promise in scripture through the word. Uh, Listen to Jesus in John 17, verse 17. Jesus is praying and he says, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus says, God, make make them holy. Father, would you just, would you take my life and just burn it in them and do it through your word? Isn't that beautiful? Uh, Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. And you know this passage well. He says, therefore, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here's a question. How on earth, I've heard this all growing up, hey, don't be conformed to the world, but be metamorphosed, right? Be, be like, like a butterfly, be changed, be transformed. How on earth are we going to have the transformation and the renewing of our mind? Have you ever thought about that? Like, like we esteem it, we, we nod along, we're like, amen, I need a renewed mind. <laughs> I need to be transformed. Amen. <laughs> it's like, but but how, how on earth is, are we going to pull that thing off? Uh, some years ago, I was, I was looking at the Romans 12 thing and I was pondering uh, Psalm 119, and Psalm 119, uh, which I give you a commission to, uh, to read it, it, is all about the delight of God's word. And it's interesting, when you look at Psalm 119, uh, verse 11, it's, it's the one that we, you know, we often know, which is the you know, high God's word in your heart passage. But two verses before that, it's really interesting. The psalmist asks a question, which actually is the question that Paul presumes you know the answer to in Romans chapter 12. So, so how are we going to have a transformed life? How are we going to renew our mind? So, so listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. He says, here he asks the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then here's the answer. By keeping it according to your word. So, so how are we going to walk in life? How are we going to walk in purity? How are we going to walk in victory in, in this present day? Well, we need to keep it according to his word. Uh, another way you could say that in, in the Hebrew is we need to conform your life to the word. That, that I need to take my life and bend my life around this book. See, this book does not change. This is a rock, folks. I, I do not take the word of God and bend the word around my life. It, 
<laughs> that does not work that way. As something's gonna change, which something will change, it's, it's not gonna be the book. I, I don't change the book to satisfy my life or, or to satisfy my pleasure or, or to satiate my sin. I don't take the Bible and bend it around my life. I take my life and offer it to God as a living sacrifice and say, God, do whatever you want in this. And what he'll do is he'll take your life and bend it around this book. And he will conform you. He's going to transform you according to the book. So the psalmist says, how, how, how on earth are you going to walk victoriously? How are you going to keep your way pure? Well, you've got to live according. You've got to conform your life to the word. And then listen to what two verses later, verse 11 says, your word I have treasured or hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Do you know what the best, maybe I, maybe I say it this way. Paul in Romans 12 says, hey, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know one of the best ways to renew your mind is? Get in the book. And there's a washing of the water of the word that begins to happen in your life that as you get into the book and as you begin to saturate your life in the book and as you begin to delight yourself in the author, he is really going to go and begin to transform your heart and your mind. And as you conform your life to the book, it is amazing. He is going to start walking you in victory in all the areas of your life where you've never been able to have victory. So, so, so how are you going to keep your way pure? How are you going to live victorious in this very dark and evil day? You, you got to be in the book. And you've got to bend your life around this book and you've got to hide this book in your life because as you begin to do that, Paul says, man, your life is going to be renewed. I mean, your mind's going to be renewed. Your life's going to be transformed. Don't we need that? We need to be people of this book. I want to give you one other quick concept <clears throat> this evening. And it's this idea of the interaction between the living word and the written word. Now, we've, already, we've already been saying this, but the living word of God is, is the man named Jesus. And then there's the written word of God, which is the Bible. Do you realize there is a connection between the living word and the written word? Now they're distinct. Please understand they're distinct. We do not worship a book. Please nod your heads. <laughs> this, is just, this is just ink on paper. But do you realize that there is a connection between the written word and the living word? In other words, if you want to be closer and tighter and know the living word better, then you've got to be in the written word. For example, uh, imagine we go up to Eric and we shake Eric's hand. Oh. You realize that we're shaking Eric. Now we're not going to do this, at least tonight, but if we cut off Eric's arm, we're not going to do it tonight. Okay? But if we cut off his arm, do you realize that Eric is no less Eric? Eric is still fully Eric. He's armless, but he's still fully Eric. And there's, and it's a bad, bad illustration, but, but do you recognize that there's a connection between when I'm shaking Eric's hand, I am shaking him, but I can cut off his hand, cut off his arm, and he's still fully him. Okay, that's bad. But in a similar sense, if you just think of this as, the, as an illustration, in a similar sense, do you realize that when I begin to shake this book and I begin to get in this book and I begin to delight myself in this book, strangely, there is a connection between this book and, and the living word. And as I get into the written word, it's like I'm getting to know him better. And there's a richness of, of relationship and intimacy that begins to take place. But this book is not him, folks. You, 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 can, you can separate the book and he's still fully him. 
And yet, if you come up to me and say, Nathan, oh, I, I, I want to know Jesus more. I want to delight myself in him more. And, and how, how on earth can I gnosko Jesus more? I go, you need to be in the book. Because your interaction, your engagement with, with this book somehow enables you to have a richer intimacy with Jesus. Now, again, we don't worship the book. This book is not him. He's still fully him. But wouldn't it be neat if you got so wrapped up in the book because you wanted to get to know the author that as you begin to know his word, the scriptures, more and more and more, it's like your intimacy with Jesus just began to deepen. And it's like you begin to get to know him more and more and more. And so in this series, we're talking about this idea of your life in the word. And if you want your life in the word, Jesus, then I'm telling you, you've got to be in the word. And so can I encourage you, don't, don't, don't see this as a have to. Don't, don't see this as a thumb in your back. Don't see this as, a, oh, I've got, to, I've got to check my devotionals off for, for the day. Don't, don't see this as, well, if I do it, God is going to give me a good day. If I don't do it, I'm going to get in a car wreck. You've got to get out of all that thinking. That's not God's thought process, folks. The, the reason God wants you in the book is because he wants to reveal himself to you. He, he, he wants you to know himself. That the author of this book, who now lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit, is screaming in your face saying, can I just, can I just get to know you? Can, could you just get to know me? Hey, could we just get wrapped up in intimacy? Could you just experience my life? We need to be in the book. And over the next couple of studies, what I want to do is I want to talk about that idea fuller in, in a more full sense and talk about what does it mean for us to delight ourselves in the book so that we can delight ourselves in the author. His name is Jesus. I want that. I want that for you. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do need you. Lord, I don't want just more information of you. I want you. And Lord, one of the things I've just, I've been so overwhelmed with over the last several years is the fact that you are not silent and you are screaming in my face in the best possible way. And your longing, your heart is for me to know you, the living God. Because as you said, that is eternal life. It's not just having more facts and, and information and, and the details, that, though that, that's not bad. I, I understand that. But Lord, I, I want to somehow go beyond academics and I want to embrace you in intimacy. I, I want to move beyond just the data. And, and Lord, I, I, want, I want a transformed life. And so, Lord, I, I pray that, that this week, as I, as I get into the word and as I begin to, 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 to study and as I begin to read, Lord, I, I pray that you would reveal yourself on every page of scripture and, and that, that I would be getting into the word, not because I had to, but because I get to. Not because it's a duty, but because it's a delight. Not because I have to prepare a message, but because, man, I just can't help myself. And Lord, could somehow the motivation of my heart for being in the word, could the primary reason for me to be in the word is to know you, the author of the book. And Lord, I just pray that as I begin to get to know you, would you just have added in my life? Would you take my life and, 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 and just, as we talked about last time, would you strip me naked? Would you just strip me bare before your word and would you just allow me to see the perfection of Christ and and Lord would you would you conform me would you just bend me would you transform me to look more like Jesus 
And would you transform me by the truth of the word? Sanctify me by the truth. Your word is truth. And so, Lord, we just want to posture ourselves in a place of humility and just say, Lord, would you speak? We want to listen. Love Jesus. Thank you that you're speaking. We love you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.